This is Top Floor, episode 39. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 39. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Heidi Stone decided to be a hotel general manager at age 16 while working at the front desk of a Howard Johnson's in her upstate New York town. Hospitality degree from SUNY and Disney college program internships in hand, she held food and beverage leadership roles before essentially falling into catering sales. When she repositioned a Lake Placid hotel from a major brand to an independent, Heidi found the perfect project. She moved on to a similar but much more difficult hotel in 2013, joining the Mountain Lake Lodge team as Director of Sales and Marketing. 10 years later, she is President and CEO of the company. Today, we're going to talk about how to bring a dying resort back to life. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning questions. If you'd like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Mike, and he asks, what are some lesser-known marketing channels for independent hotels? So Mike gave a little bit of context here, which is that he's coming from a brand, multiple brands, and is really used to following the brand programs. And so he's trying to navigate the world of an independent hotel. Any suggestions you would give for him, Heidi? As an independent, you have to be able to slice and dice your own data. You have to serve up the right messaging at the right time to the right customer. And there's companies out there that can help you do that. Um, But mastering your data, that would be something that you're not used to having to do when the brands do it for you. That is excellent advice. And I think that's becoming more important to every type of lodging business, not just independence, but really good big difference from where uh, Mike is coming from for sure. So Heidi, if I ask you questions about all of the interesting things that you've done in your career, we're going to be here for the next 3 months. I think instead, I'm going to focus on Mountain Lake Lodge, where you were named president and CEO in March. How did you go from director of sales and marketing to chief executive officer? Well, I had been there for six months. I came as the director of sales and marketing, very excited about the new project, Saving Mountain Lake. Uh, The general manager decided to leave six months into the project. He went back to Colorado. And, um, you know, I had been a 20 some year hotelier and I'm like, I got this. I've done this my whole career. I know what I'm doing. So I threw my name in the hat for the general manager position. And it was a good four or five months and probably 400 resumes that they went through and they turned me down. Oh, you're kidding. They turned me down and I was like, okay, guys, what are we doing? You know, what, what is this? And uh, I had one one champion on the board who, you know, he had had a single mom 
And uh, I was a single mom and uh, she was a housekeeper, you know, and he's like, you know what, if we really want to turn this place around, somebody who really knows how to manage money, it's a single mom. Oh, wow. And he managed to take a dozen board members and change each of their minds. And they reluctantly gave me a chance 10 years ago. And um, I, I won't say the rest is history, but I've for the past 10 years. We had we are thriving. We have turned the place around. And at the end of last year, we needed to create a larger organization because we're growing. And because of that, I'm now president and CEO of the organization. And there's a lot more um, infrastructure that we're building now. And it's very exciting. Has the board changed a lot in those 10 years? Or were you able to rub it in their faces? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, probably 75% of the original members are there. Oh, good. I love that. (laughs) Well, the resort has an interesting history. It opened as it were in 1851 with mostly stagecoach passengers as guests. And then it went through a bunch of different owners until a man who had been a guest of the resort, William Lewis Moody, bought it in 1930. When he passed away in 1954, his daughter inherited the resort along with like 50 other businesses, including the largest bank west of the Mississippi River. She was Mary Moody Northern and definitely an anomaly in the 50s as sort of the boss of all these businesses. In fact, I read that she was on the cover of Newsweek and she was known as the first lady of finance. I see so many parallels between the two of you in terms of doing things that are maybe unexpected for women even today. What do you think are some areas where women still experience inequality or discrimination in hospitality? And then, of course, we'll talk about progress that's been made as well. Number one, we are not getting paid what the guys are getting paid. The second thing would be women are not getting the top jobs, right? Women are reluctant uh, to give the woman the top job. I mean, sure, there's been some progress, but, you know, there might be the token woman on the board, right? I mean, that's the reality of where we're at. So pay and, uh, you know, giving the woman the top job. What do you think about some of the, I don't know, areas of progress that you've observed over the course of your career? Well, you know... You are seeing more women CEOs, even in hospitality. I mean, we are. We're not just all salespeople, right? We've, we've graduated out of that. <laughs> we are seeing more, more women in the top jobs, but it, we're still not there yet, right? We've still got a long way to go for our daughters and our granddaughters. I know that mentors have been important in your career. Do you want to tell us about one or two of your mentors? I would love to tell you about two... Uh, mentors, if we have time. My, the first mentor I'd like to mention, her name is Jenny Morrison, and she is currently the VP of sales with Spire Hospitality. She was a regional at the time. I was director of sales at High Peaks Resort in Lake Placid. And, you know, I took that position in Lake Placid at High Peaks Resort, June of 2008. Let's all think back to June of 2008. And, and what was going on. Opening a new independent resort in upstate New York was not the place to be for your career to thrive. (laughs) We went through some tough times together. We grew, but we got stronger. We got stronger. We got smarter. We got better. 
Uh, and by 2010, we were beating everything by 30% um, by the time wow. we got to, by 2010. And those were tough years, right? But we survived and we learned how to thrive in those times. And, and she was my champion. She, she really was awesome. And my second isn't really a mentor, but he's the gentleman I talked about earlier, Bob Donovan. You know, he was on the board of, of where I'm at. And if I didn't have him as a champion, I just couldn't tell you. That's awesome. I agree with you that mentorship is really important, but I've been wondering lately if we put too much emphasis on mentors, sponsors, as the key to moving women forward in hotel leadership. It seems like all of the women's leadership programs are like, find a mentor and you'll be all set. I got a note from a friend who had recently attended a conference and she made this point that mentors help individual women, but they don't necessarily help us make progress or create solutions for issues like equal pay that we talked about earlier. What do you think about that? You know, I think everybody, every woman needs a village in her corner. We all need that support group, those those people who are cheering us on and pulling us along. But, you know, for real change to happen for us, for equal pay, for those, it, it's hotel companies, you know, from the top, right? It's, a, it's all the guys sitting around the board table with their token women, I'm just saying, <laughs> dealing with that, you know, our whole career, right? You know, I've been doing this over 30 years now. It's enough, right? <laughs> we, we need change from the top. We need people to really say, hey, this is enough. You know, these women have worked harder than we have to get where we harder and they deserve it. And it's time and enough of this, you know, diff- different rules, different game for women. Shifting gears a little bit, Mountain Lake Lodge is perhaps best known as the setting for the fictional Kellerman's Resort from the amazingly fantastic and wonderful movie, Dirty Dancing. But when you got there, the resort was sort of falling down, falling apart, and had no relationship with the film company. How did you fix that? What are some of the things that you did to allow the resort to then be able to continue to celebrate the Dirty Dancing history and fandom that surrounds it? Sure. Well, I just have to say that you know, before I got to Mountain Lake Lodge, there was a group of guys that were consultants that, that put the plan together to how to rebrand Mount Lake. And um, they had some phenomenal ideas. But one of their big ideas was to get rid of Dirty Dancing. So to stop talking about it, basically, you know, get rid of it out of the branding, eliminate it, just get rid of Dirty Dancing. You know, the, apparently the hotel has died on Dirty Dancing. So you need to just get rid of it and go in this completely other direction. So I got there. Um, as a director of sales and marketing, I started listening to the customer, which is what we in marketing do, right? We, yeah. and we look at the data, we talk to our customers, we listen to our customers and getting rid of dirty dancing was not the answer. There was a tremendous fan base. In fact, the little Facebook page that they had together when I got there, that's all it was, was dirty dancing fans. Oh, wow. I mean, come on. So in thinking about this and it kind of morphed over the years, this was not fast. Right. This was not, you know, one month were one thing, the next month, you know, this this is a long path of growth. But, you know, when I got there, you know, they had been doing dirty dancing weekends since 1988. You know, they had the hotel had come up with this idea that this was this cool thing. What we needed to do was completely rebrand those, refresh those dirty dancing weekends and reasons for people to come back to the resort. But we also needed an agreement with the 
company who held the intellectual property of Dirty Dancing, right? So I had suddenly had to figure figure this out because Vestron was the company who originally filmed it. They had gone bankrupt and Lionsgate had purchased those rights. So I reached out, little Heidi, <laughs> Mountain, calls Lionsgate, the larger holder of film in the world. Oh my gosh. As, okay, please, you know, we're sorry we've been selling t-shirts. We didn't know. <laughs> and um, they were very gracious to us and they were very um, welcoming. And we now have licensing agreements and it has absolutely blown up the stuff that we've been doing with them and uh, certainly the right thing to do. Um, but yes, I reached out to them it was a little daunting at times to say the least. Um, but obviously as time you can see, and we'll talk about the the great things that have, have happened and are still to come from that relationship. That is pretty amazing. Much ado, I think over the last couple of years has been made of hotel technology moving forward in reaction to the pandemic, especially things like keyless or touchless check-in. I know that at the resort, you have embraced check-in technology in a very different way. Can you describe what you're doing? Yes, I'd love to. This was actually a pre-pandemic idea because I wanted to take our uh, guest service to a level... I mean, I want to be first. You know, if the resort is, you know, the industry's doing it. I want to be the first to do it. <laughs> but, you know, it's great. You know, we all steal ideas from everybody else and, and that's great. But I'm like, no, no, I want to be the first. So my idea, you know, who doesn't go to Chick-fil-A, right? You're sitting in Chick-fil-A. They have the best customer service on the planet. You know, we all want to get our employees from Chick-fil-A because they just, they're over the top. They're so, and so fast. And so fast. And, you know, they took it on themselves. They're out there talking to you. And so I'm sitting there one day waiting for my chicken sandwich. And I'm like, you know what? I want this at the hotel. I, I want this. I want my front desk folks to come out from behind the front desk. And I want them out there greeting the cars as they pull up with their iPads. I want them greeting people. And this is what we do. The pandemic was right behind this idea. And we are out there with, and we're a resort, right? So we're very spread out. It makes a whole lot of sense for us because you're not necessarily unpacking your luggage right there at the front door. You may be driving across the campus. So it makes sense for, for us. So we're out there. We greet people as they pull up. We actually have a point person out there, tells them where to go. They pull right up. We're there with our iPads. We check them in. We give them the room keys. They never have to get out of their car. You should see their faces. It's it's awesome. That is awesome. How many times have I arrived somewhere, carried all of my stuff to the desk, and then been told I had to carry it like 9 miles away up 17 flights of stairs? I love that idea. I think it's brilliant. So you have a hospitality degree and you yeah. work very closely with the hospitality program at Virginia Tech. At the same time, I think fewer students are pursuing those degrees and the hotel business, of course, remains one of the few where not only do you not need the degree, but sometimes some hoteliers would prefer that you didn't have it because they want you to do it their way. What are your thoughts on the relationship between academia and the hotel business? 
Well, I have to say, I love my Virginia Tech students. You know, I love them. They're, they're awesome. They're professional. And there isn't enough of them, right? Since I started 10 years ago, this relationship with Virginia Tech and going down to all the job fairs and teaching as a guest speaker in a class and doing all those things to build relationships. Let me tell you, since the past two years, everybody wants those students, right? Marriott's showing up in force. And so even those students have become more scarce. They're great, but I too am all about, because we're in rural, right? We're very rural where we are. And we don't have tons of professional people just hanging outside our door. (laughs) Um, I am all about going into the high schools. This is an initiative we've done recently is uh, because we're in a rural community, we want to grow our own, right? We've really growing our own, Uh, going into the community college, not just universities, but the community colleges, these kids probably, they have no idea what they want to do, right? They're just getting a liberal arts degree because they just don't know. So it's an opportunity at high schools. In fact, we've even gone into the middle schools because if you're sticking around long enough in a place, you know, before you know it, five years has gone by like that and they're looking for a job. Um, so we, we've really focused on growing our own uh, and pouring ourselves into our community. Um, it's been very, very important to invest in those kids in our community. And you're the second largest employer in that county, right? Well, we are in the top 10. Awesome. Yeah. We weren't even on the list. (laughs) And now, now, so we are an economic engine in our county. This sounds like a good time to take a break. We will get right back to my conversation with Heidi Stone. After this, Heidi talks about what it was like to film a TV show, run high guest occupancy, and play the role of Baby Houseman's mom all at the same time. Be right back. Top Floor is supported by Cayuga Hospitality Consultants. For more than 35 years, Cayuga's international network of hospitality consultants has helped guide industry stakeholders from owners and operators to lenders and investors. Whether you need help with a short-term project or longer-term guidance, consultants bring executive-level lodging, food and beverage, asset management, and development expertise. Cayuga brings together every discipline of hospitality to deliver operational excellence and financial success. Learn more at cayugahospitality.com or call 866 386 4020. And Cayuga is spelled C A Y U G A. As you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from each episode of Top Floor with a couple of really practical, tangible tips and ideas to try either in their businesses or their lives. So I'm going to ask you some of those types of questions. If my fictional hypothetical hotel or resort has played host to a famous film or TV show or some other historic event, maybe an Olympics or something like that, what are some of the practical things that I need to do to set up a strong branding partnership? In other words, without getting into trouble or a copyright violation or a lawsuit or something. So all I know is my experience here at Mount Lake, and it's reaching out who who has the intellectual property rights, right? Believe it or not, setting up a licensing agreement is not complicated. 
you can do it. Oh, wow. And then if you want to sell products, you can do that. If you want to do themed events based on, you know, maybe it was a horror movie, maybe, you know, whatever kind of movie it was, and you want to do these themed weekends, like what we have done, it is not complicated. You just have to get permission to do it. And even if there's a royalty involved, it's probably still well worth it, well worth your time to do it because you're still going to win. Everybody wins. That's good to hear. I think probably I would have assumed that the royalty or the percentage would be prohibitive and it would it would be like, well, it's not even worth selling this because we have to give all the money back. So that's good to hear. Good to know. Speaking of uh, dirty dancing, there have been a couple of interesting things that have happened. I think most recently, the real dirty dancing show was filmed at the resort. What was that like? Did you have to shut down for the filming of that or it just happened with regular guests on property? So we found out in June 21 that they were going to film in August. And our occupancy was already, we were between 50 and 80% already full in June for August. And um, so we just made it happen. You know, it's what we do. They were coming from LA and COVID in LA was really off the off the hook. And so they had a whole COVID team and we had lots of extra protocols that we may not necessarily have had in Southwest Virginia, but because they're a union coming from LA, there was a, a lot of rules and a lot of people needed to serve food and all kinds of things. It was, we kept going and I'll, I'll tell you the, the the cast and crew were phenomenal people. The stars were unbelievably gracious to our guests and uh, I would do it all again in a heartbeat. I watched the finale in preparation for our conversation today. And I have to say that I really think they should have had you be a judge. Did you watch (laughs) the finale, like the final dance off? I did. In fact, uh, I was baby's mom. Um, If you watch closely in the finale, I am baby's mom sitting at the table. And at the very end, I danced with Twitch. Wait a minute. How did I miss this? I was specifically looking for you. All right. I'm going to go back and I'll put a link to these episodes in the show notes. They're really fun to watch. I was so surprised at how visceral my reaction and my memory was. Like, I remember this. I remember this. And I got chills when they did the lift and all of that stuff. So it was really fun to watch. It is fun. Speaking of which, I noticed that... um, all of your Dirty Dancing weekends for the rest of this year already sold out. Are there any secret tips you can share for how we can get in for 2023 without hitting the sold out sign? Well, and actually 22, on occasion, people will cancel. And we do have a cancellation list. Um, oh, nice. For 22. There are some spots left for 23, but you could you can still get in for 23 if we don't have your weekend. Someone will cancel between now and then, and you can get on that list. You just call reservations. That's good to know. It was recently announced that a sequel to Dirty Dancing starring Jennifer Grey is in the works. How do you think that that will impact the resort? Well, it's nothing but a win. <laughs> A home run. <laughs> uh, you know, she has publicly said, you know, she is baby. She has written it. She is baby. There are parts of it happening at Kellerman's. You know, she has gone on camera and said those things. So I can repeat those things. But yeah, we don't have a timeline yet, but uh, we're very, very, very excited. I mean, 
this is this is what we've been waiting for, right? Yes. Yeah. See, this is why I'm trying to find out if there are any tips for how I can get in a weekend. So maybe I'll be there for the filming. <laughs> so as we're predicting the future, what is next for you and what's next for your company? So we've just finished a 10-year plan. And right now I am working on the next 10-year plan for Mountain Lake. We are currently building an amazing outdoor dining facility right now. With It's a new salt pond pub and pizza and all kinds of outdoor dining. We have worked with Lionsgate over the past six months. Over, We are building the new first Kellerman's gift shop. It is not just that we sell logoed merchandise, but we are actually building right now a themed dirty dancing retail store. Oh, cool. So very, very, very cool things. Um, We're just expanding the resort. We're looking at more rooms, more recreation, working with more local artisans, right? We're I don't know that we're in the heart of Appalachia, but we are, you know, Appalachia is right outside our door and we have some wonderful artisans and and that really is the DNA of our area. And so we're exploring that as well. So nothing but exciting things happening. Oh, that is amazing. Okay, folks, before we tell Heidi goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down... Heidi, what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? Well, I'll tell you, Susan, it was it was hard going through my memory and remembering some of these stories. And some of them I thought, good Lord, I can't tell those. I'll get sued. <laughs> right? That's the ones I want to hear, though. I know it is. But the one I feel comfortable sharing is, a and, and I'm sorry there's no naked people in this story. And there's, there's no, uh, you know, drunken disorderlies. But I thought this... This was a very scary story at the time. And so I think it may be helpful. It was probably about eight years ago. We had a family come, a family reunion come to the resort. And they came, because we're centrally located, they came from Florida, Boston, they came from everywhere and, and just assembled. We it tends to happen. We're 2,600 acres so of property, right? It's it's very large. And and this family, you know, they were just going down the normal paths and and seeing things and taking it all in. The, the grandpa of the group, I will say, um, said, hey, I'm just going to go back to the hotel. I'm going to get some lunch. And, and he left the group. It was a couple hours later. They couldn't find him. Oh, God. And so time went by. And suddenly I became the liaison between state police, search and rescue. It was a very scary time for this family. They, they basically lived in my office. And I kind of set up central command for this family uh, and all of their loved ones in my office. And the state police were fantastic. It was on the news. You know, these are the things that you don't want your resort on the news for. Right? So we went all the way up till nine o'clock at night. This was happened at like one o'clock in the afternoon. We still cannot find this man. Very concerning. Long story short, through wonderful police work, They found the man in a hotel an hour away with a plane ticket to go home. What in the world? They didn't know he had dementia. (gasps) Oh my goodness. I thought you were going to say he was like, I have had enough of this family reunion. I'm out. You never know. You never know. And as hoteliers, we hold people's lives in our hands. 
right? We, we hold their family and, and there's so many emotional things that happen when people stay at hotels, the stuff that's planned and the stuff that's unplanned. And you got to be there for people. You got to be there. And I tell you, we still stay in touch with his family. They were able to get him safely, but it's because we acted fast and we have great relationships with the people in the community. Turns out he hitched a ride. He didn't. Oh my God. Was, and he hitched a ride. He just started walking down the road and people are so great around here. They're like, hey, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm I need to go home. And so they took him all the way to Roanoke. And he, he got a hotel and he was getting on a plane and he was going home. Um, but that was the first they knew that he had anything, that anything was wrong. But because we acted quickly and we got good people involved, it all ended well. Oh, what a relief. I'm I know, sweating right? from this story. <laughs> oh, holy moly. I know. Heidi Stone, thank you so much for being here. I know our listeners loved learning about you and about the resort, and I appreciate you riding with us to the top four. Thank you, Susan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. You can find the show notes for today's episode at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 39. And guess what? We are rapidly approaching 10,000 listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode.